Hello there. Welcome to This Here Rendezvous with Misha Fain, Jamie McGlue. So, uh, we are talking about free speech today. By we, I mean me, and you if you're talking over me very rudely or in between, in the gaps. Hopefully also uh, respectfully, um, or you could be shouting me down, that's cool, making fun of my jokes, that would be good, uh, or uh, whatever, whatever you want to do, I support your freedom. Um, so freedom of speech, uh, why we want freedom of speech. Now, I'm a big fan of double and triple meanings, so there's at least two ways to look at that. Why we want freedom of speech. Why we should want, I guess you could say, freedom of speech. And why this is a very important thing. Um, uh, but also, I suppose, why we. Because there's a certain factions who, or people who um, are recently coming to the conclusion that... Uh, free speech really isn't very useful or necessary or even, you know, desirable at all. Um, so I thought, I think this is a very interesting topic, so I'd like to get into it and give you my ideas uh, and ideas that have been handed down to me by uh, these uh, gods in the, in the clouds. Oh, sorry, not gods in the clouds. I meant uh, people on podcasts and articles and in the real world or whatever, where um, people have had good points and I've thought, mm, I like that. And it's, you know, resonated and I've thought about it, chewed on it and kept it. Mm. For now, I'm always ready to discard ideas if I, they uh, no longer make sense to me, um, which is something we're going to get to uh, today also. But, uh, right, so, uh, and so... The second meaning. <laughs> uh, those of us, why we, um, who are, you know, saying, hey, whoa, whoa, guys, what's going on? Uh, there's a bit of censorship afoot. That's not so good, is it? Maybe some people might struggle to understand that. Like, well, but, but this is on the topic of blah, 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 or that, that, that. So... What are you talking about? That's free speech doesn't apply to that, surely. Um, and some people, I think, are having a hard time understanding why, say, like Elon Musk would say, "Well, I'm a free speech ab absolutist." Sorry, but I am. Um, in why he wouldn't shut down Russian websites uh, or the internet for Russian news outlets, I think, um, in Ukraine, something like that. His, his internet Starlink thing. He was saying the people were saying, "Oh, shut it down for." Russian side, and he was saying, look, you know, I'm a, I believe in free speech for everyone. It's everyone or no one. Kind of, that's the nature of free speech. And uh, I would actually agree with that. I would say that is the case. And the traditional way it's phrased is, I may disagree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to say it, to speak your opinion. Um, so, so, yeah, all right, so freedom. Uh, freedom! Oh wait, should I put on a Scottish accent? No? Too bad, sorry. Freedom! Right, 
it's not the best Scottish accent, but it couldn't be better. But yeah, so um, there's William Wallace uh, shouting freedom to the st- the sky and the stars. Um, freedom's nice, I guess, in everything. Freedom of expression, being able to have your fashion, and you know, if you had uh, denim, ripped denim pants or je- you know trousers, whatever. 200 years ago, if they were there, yeah, well, let's say 100 years ago, people are going to look at you funny. Go, hey, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? And so I think most people would agree that that's a good thing that our culture has moved along there and said, hey, freedom of expression in your fashion, that's fine, you know, go for it. There's some limits, you know, some people are like, oh, look at that dress, that's a bit much, isn't it? Or, you know, um, or you might think, oh, that's, this person's wearing a, you know, a rip curl surf brand t-shirt uh, to a business meeting. Oh, that's not really the best idea, is it? Whatever, but it's not such a big deal. Freedom is, has become um, endorsed for that. Um, freedom of religion in most, country, most countries. I'm not actually sure about that, but um, in the Western world, for sure, freedom of religion is respected. Um, and I think in many other countries, but definitely not all of them, um, and so that's something that didn't exist for a long time. I was like, no, no, hey, it's not cool to break from the pack in this thing. You need to do this. Um, but these days, like, you know, the, the culture of freedom, um, based on the Western kind of the evolution of that through Europe and you know, kind of Western civilization was the idea that actually, no, like freedom of religion is a good thing there. And I guess it has existed in other cultures like, um, like in India when I had you know, Buddhists and Hindus and Jains and whatever, and they were all tolerating that, I think, for the most part. But So, not just a Western thing, but I would think probably it's been most explored in Western civilization and culture for all its warts and, you know, um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, flaws. There's, a, I think, a lot of gold in um, the Western tradition, um, mostly around individual freedom, which I think is why the West kind of um, was so successful. Uh, Perhaps gunpowder and naval technology allowed it to take over the world and rob everyone and use the money to reinvest it and build these empires. But I don't think they would have lasted anywhere near as long if there hadn't been this tradition of freedom, which kind of um, took over the separation of church and state, etc. Anyway, that's neither here nor there for now. But freedom. So many kinds and classes, types and uh, persuasions of freedom. And it's nice to be free, right? We, we like to be able to do what we want in general. That's, that's pretty self-explanatory. However, certain freedoms we don't allow. Say, oh, the freedom to hurt other people. However, well, no, that's not gonna work, right? Uh, Immanuel Kant, I believe it was, had his universal maxim for, no, uh, categorical imperative, and where he said the basic basis of ethics should be, and shall be, uh, that do nothing unless it can um, be adopted as a universal maxim, whereby everyone else could do it also, operate by that 
principle you're operating by and we would get along we'd have a sustainable society so if it's oh you know um i'm allowed to lie when it helps suits me well that contradicts itself right because other people are going to do that to me which doesn't suit me okay contradiction doesn't work um oh i will do whatever i want if, if it doesn't hurt others oh that that works oh interesting great john stuart mill right um the golden rule so um um or maybe certain things just a side note one thing where people might say uh that oh for example i'm uh breaking some small law um you know uh i know if you do that if everyone did that it's gonna you know ruin the system so you can't do it i would say well if everyone started doing it then there would be a feedback loop and people would stop doing it so actually it is okay to maybe to do that if it's harmless enough it's just a small regulation thing um and then you know built into that is you wouldn't do it once a certain number was reached but probably that wouldn't be reached anyway just due to people's natures so anyway this is an example right like uh freedom right the the principles of freedom the things we can do the things we can't do and uh there's common sense kind of says you know when it's something that is interfering with uh, the balance where other people couldn't do it um then there's various forms where we say no you're not allowed to do that you know um right so now free speech uh is not just one of these freedoms though it's not just any other freedom where it's nice to have it and if it's not hurting others then great go on have fun knock yourself out actually free speech is the foundation of our civilization i believe um and many other people believe um many wise people uh heads full of decades of reading you know this is the conclusion they've come to um and this is the where this microphone and this beautiful apartment i mean this random guitar here sorry claire call you random um all these things are born of this world with incredible prosperity um the kind of industrialized developed world so to speak materially developed maybe spiritually a little bit backward in some ways um we're getting there but anyway um so this and just the peace the prosperity the perception we have managed to come to um education and movies and books and uh, all kinds of art forms and technology and science uh all this innovation and advancement and exploration has been on the back of freedom of speech because freedom of speech freedom of bodily autonomy freedom of um or the right to have property freedom from persecution freedom from um excessive taxation oh i think we lost that one maybe but uh freedom from whatever all these things how do we figure out if we should have them or not freedom of speech is the mechanism by which we figure out which freedoms we should have and which we should not have um the alternative is autocracy or oligarchy where 
um, one or more individuals and groups thereof um, basically either in their own head have a little free speech thing, different ideas in their own head, you know, bouncing back and forward, having a little conversation, or in a group of three people, 12 people, whatever, um, some other magically potent number, whatever, um, and they're having their own free speech in their little oligarchy um, elite. Or, you know, um, ancient Greece, you had democracy, but only for citizens, not for slaves. Um, and and perhaps not for women, I, I'm not sure, actually. But, um, so, and, and perhaps even landowners, maybe not all citizens. Or was that the same thing? I'm not sure. You could let me know uh, in the comments, if you want. Um, or I could look it up later. So, but they had their democracy, right? But it was a bit, it wasn't a full franchise. And then now you have democracy, you have adult population can vote, a mm, bit warped by corporate power, etc. You know, things we are working through, that's all, you know, ultimately that's fine. We're, these are challenges to be sorted out. Um, point being, and then more generally, parents might have a conversation at home and then the children might pipe up, mom, do you really think blah, blah, blah? And they, they might get involved in the conversation. So in a broader sense, the whole speaking society can have a conversation. Um, even people who don't vote, I say, I'm not voting because blah, blah, blah. And their opinion goes out there and gets part of the, the ecosystem of opinions. And so free speech, um, this is how we sort out what is true um, and what is good. Um, maybe what is beautiful also. That seems to be this trinity which repeats. Pretty fundamental. The good, the true, and the beautiful. Einstein said that, that this was his ethic. The ethic of pleasure is good for a herd, uh, but something more elevated would be beauty, truth, and goodness. Anyway, so now, so free speech is this foundational mechanism by which we solve problems. We find out, is that true or is that not true? Um, and is that good or is that not good? These ideas. Uh, and maybe you... When it takes a long time to go through this process. Someone says something and you have to go, hmm, is that true? Okay. If they have a kind of persuasive argument, but you haven't had time to go look at the sources that they mention, and if they don't mention sources, then mm, okay, maybe it's a bit sketchy. But they mention sources. Okay, I'll look into that. Maybe you don't have time. Okay. To be honest, you have to put that in the maybe pile, I think. Me, I have an enormous maybe pile, you know. I've got the, yeah, definitely true or like, you know, effectively, uh, 100% true. Um, love's good. Yeah, I'll go out on a limb and say that's that's true for sure. Um, uh, that book is blue. Yep, for sure. I mean, I could be hallucinating. This could be some sort of virtual reality. Some demon has me strapped up like the Matrix. All right, but you know, that's a for our purposes. Let's say it's blue, right? Okay, 100%. It is true. And then things that aren't true, it's red. I'm going to go out and say it's not red. Um, or, uh, you know, my name is um, Esteban. Uh, Esteban, that's not a version of James, is it? Is the universe making fun of me? No, that's Stephen, right? Okay, so these, okay, for sure, it's, it's true and it's false. Uh, or, you know, hurting people, bad. Helping people, good, in general. If they're hurting people, then maybe helping them could be an issue, right? But big picture, 
helping life or hindering life. In the middle, there's an enormous pile of, did we actually go to the moon? Uh, I think so. But then there's people who say, oh yeah, but there's this and that, like um, you can't take you know photos in space, the radiation would destroy it, the flag's blowing. People say, oh yeah, but the astronauts were moving it. Okay. Uh, or um, there's a picture of some dude in space and then there's the exact same picture, but he, the backdrop is different and he's on Earth doing a simulation thing, like zero gravity in a jet. Like, okay, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to... I'm not afraid to say that I would be open to the possibility that the United States felt, well, the Soviet Union are some dodgy characters. We need a big propaganda victory. We're not quite ready to go to the moon, but we are really good at Hollywood. So come on, lads, let's, let's, let's uh, have some fun here and do something good for the world, um, and then we'll eventually get there. I'd be open to that possibility and I'm not you know I think some people would this is free speech right some people might not allow themselves the free speech to admit what they honestly think because they're afraid of being judged um, I don't want to be judged but I'm more afraid of self-censoring than of uh, being judged by others um, I mean it's not really going to get you very far is it if you're not again you're not allowing yourself to speak then you're not allowing yourself to think. And so you're going to be thwarting and kind of retarding um, the evolution, slowing down the evolution of your perspectives. So I think, anyway, however, you know, I would definitely lean towards, yeah, we did go there. Um, and it seems more likely we went there, but, uh, or someone, I didn't go there, but, you know, I don't know about you. Um, but, uh, so, but maybe they um, filmed some stuff on Earth because, oh, the footage was didn't work, radiation, all right, we'll just reenact it. Or maybe it is genuine, whatever, who knows. Point being, I don't have enough information. There's not enough time to be looking into every little nook and cranny, an alcove of a possibility in the world. So you, at some point you need to focus on what's your role, what's practical for you, and um, diligently be aware of what you should be aware of, meet your responsibilities. Um, the mother should be aware of all the things relating to her children. The surgeon needs to be aware of all the literature on, you know, uh, the, the job of how to cut people open and uh, stitch them back up again, um, and etc. So, but I think this is the point of having a maybe pile. I think a lot of people feel like it's black and white, like you, you can't have, there's no room for nuance. But I think, you know, if you're honest, you have to say, well, the maybe pile is going to be the biggest of all because... Um, many things are possible and then smaller amount but still huge are, are plausible and then um, smaller but still huge amount are probable um, but then the amount that we actually know either way it takes a lot of um, information um, it's kind of a critical mass of information you get where it kind of locks in logically oh that's not possible you know this thing okay interesting that that must be true or that must be false but a lot of the time it's not that cut and dried so anyway um freedom of speech um and uh, that how our we're talking about how our civilization is based upon this and uh the need to share perspectives um and who knows um who knows what is right um so you know, 
this is the benefit of freedom of speech. We allow everyone to speak, um, and we need to listen, um, or at least most people, or most of the thinking people, or like, you know, the people who are willing and able to dig into, um, most of all willing, I think most people are able, but maybe some people aren't wired for it, that's fine, they're wired for other things they can excel at, but most people I think are able to engage intellectually to a greater or lesser extent, And but the willingness is the major factor. But for those who are willing and able to be an active neuron in the, the brain of mother nature and be a messenger and take in information and transmit information and engage in the network trying to figure out what's what um, free speech is the the mechanism by which we figure out what's actually true because if we're honest none of us actually have the full picture so we need to work in a team that's human nature 101 right up the boys up the up the girls up the gals um, team team people figuring it out together so um right okay so there we go that's the the basic thing now i'm gonna try to lay out why in detail why we want freedom of speech because people say oh well no we should censor people who have bad ideas right dangerous ideas and i think there's a very limited set of cases where sure we should prevent people speaking but it's much smaller uh, than many people might um argue so, um, let's see here. Yeah, so decentralized systems. Freedom of speech is a decentralized system of problem solving um, whereby we can exchange ideas. We don't have to agree, but we can be exposing each other to n novel information and new perspectives on things. Um, and even if you know 30% of the people um, on each side aren't swayed, that 40% in the middle... Um, they might be swayed on, we take them, they'll be swayed to some extent, changing their opinions. And of them, maybe 30% of them on each side are only swayed on small details. But then there's 40% of that 40% in the middle who are mm, actually allowing themselves big transformations of perspective. Um, and it just fractals onwards, etc. But even if some people aren't going to change their perspectives, Freedom of speech allows us as a group to have this positive feedback loop, virtuous cycle of um, I alter your opinion, you alter mine. And maybe the way I've altered your opinion goes, ooh, the chain of things I believe. I believe this because of that and that because of this. Da, da, da. You just changed item 26 in the network. And then that cascades and flips these switches and means that's not true. And then that is true. And so you go through, you think about it, you come back in a month and you say, you know what? You actually changed my opinion. However, I still believe this thing, and I have a new reason for it. I think this is the real reason. Then I might, you might say it to me, and I go, actually, you're totally right. And so maybe I helped you help me. Um, because I showed you, convinced you that once something you believed was wrong, you've actually adapted your view, and the way you have it now might actually resonate enough with me where I go, you know what? Like, yeah, actually, you're right. And it's not a competition of who can change the other more. Really, the, comp uh, the, the game is how can we figure out what's true? So, and that's, you know, the, be, you know, the only bias I think we should have is a bias towards having no biases, no biases. 
Well, the only um, attachment should be attachment to non-attachment to our ideas. We're not our ideas. These are, you know, things we hold. They are tools. You know, you you have a toothbrush in the morning. You're brushing your teeth. Then you're going to stir your coffee. You want to be putting that toothbrush in your coffee? Maybe there's a spoon over there. Just pick up the spoon. Um, or maybe not a perfect metaphor, but um, things or you outgrow clothes, you know. Oh, you're going to keep wearing your five-year-old shirt when you're seven. Um, or getting closer to the, the, the right metaphor, dear listener slash watcher. Um, but we, the point being... I think there's no need to be attached to ideas because we are not our ideas and we're not, e- we're not our thoughts. We are the, the witness of the thoughts, the experiencer, the watcher, the awareness behind the thoughts and that's the space, the internal space within which thoughts appear um, and, and disappear. Um, so that it's not when someone is a, a quote-unquote attacking your position I think survival instincts kick in and we can, you know, we all feel it. Um, I noticed it just the other day. I was feeling it. I went, oh, hey, ah, interesting. I, I was getting defensive about, no, well, no, no, really, this is, you're not as about to try to press the case for, no, you're missing some point. But, oh, look, the other person has a right to their point. It wasn't too important. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll let it go. And it's interesting. It requires self-awareness, um, which can be tricky, <laughs> of course to notice when we're getting defensive, we feel someone is attacking us. It's like a territorial thing of, oh, I must defend, or I'm a weakling and not going to survive. You know, we're, ev- again, evolutionarily programmed to defend what's rightfully ours, but sometimes we think our ideas are part of our, us. Um, so I think it's a very liberating thing when you can entertain ideas and be able to feel not um, embarrassed to be wrong, but proud to be wrong and, and consciously um, correcting your perspective. And I think actually that is the most admirable of qualities. If someone says, you know what, actually you're wrong because of blah, blah, blah. I always try to go, if, if it makes sense, I go, wow, oh my God, yeah, you're right, amazing. And I'm excited because I have been liberated from an illusion. So when... I don't want to be, what does it help me to keep my pride, quote unquote, um, when uh, I'm, the, the price is believing in fairy tales, you know? So it doesn't seem to make sense to me. So I think it's win-win uh, conversations about what's real and what's right because either you, you are freed from an illusion or you free someone else from an illusion. Either way, you know, um, go team people, you know? So, yeah, some examples of decentralized systems where you might think, well, I don't know about that for free speech. I think some people know more than others or they're smarter than others. We should let an elite kind of, or certain institutions be experts at that. Certain people, sorry, Jamie, you know, uh, you got some books behind you, but you, you know, you're not up to scratch. Leave it to the you know, the experts. That's one perspective. All right, fair enough. I respect the right for people to have that perspective and to express it um, naturally. However, I disagree. Here are some examples of decentralized systems which, uh, you know, we would all, I think, agree are very effective. So um, 
nature. Mother nature. Um, so the comets slam into the earth, destroy everything, nature rebuilds. There's no central bureaucracy going, all right, so let's put some platypuses, platypuses over there. Um, maybe, you know what, like some orangutans in that mountain valley could be good. Could you get Henry to send the memo to, um, to you know, uh, Senior Thompson and he can uh, sort it out? You know, this isn't, there's no uh, bureaucracy managing this. It just happens spontaneously. The things which uh, harmonize are elevated naturally. They have an advantage and they grow. And they perfectly, they are in the, the niche, niches of the, the various places in the world. And they are able to adapt um, to the local conditions. And those who can't adapt just get weeded out. They don't survive. And so it's, it's a decentralized system of evolution and growth. And it is why this microphone's here and my head is uh, here <laughs> right next to the, the microphone pounding truth bombs merrily into the air to ravage the cities of uh, um, illusion and fantasy or uh, perhaps fall ineffectually like rain upon the rooftops of um, a truth which I am unaware of. So there we go. Now, nature. Uh, science, right? Uh, I think the universe is a... A huge, um, uh, a huge bladder uh, of this uh, this beast, and the bladder is uh, okay. Let's not get too deep into this metaphor, but whatever you can. Oh no, no, I disagree with that. Um, I think it's like a big river, and you know our world is like a stone in the river. That's what the, the Milky Way. It's like the river going past us. Okay, the, throughout history there must have been countless ideas of what the world is. Science is a way of going, okay, so we have a, a theory. Let's see if it makes sense. Okay, I think the Earth is round. Okay, so let's see when ships go off into the distance, what happens? Oh, they, they slowly lower down. They don't just suddenly disappear. They're slowly lowering down. Like we see the top of the ship at the very end. That's interesting. Or, um, you know, measuring the height of poles going into the distance. Um, there are ways where they, they figured out, oh, it seems the Earth is round, not flat. And so they did experiments, they got feedback. Um, whatever it is, people think um, there are t tectonic plates, you know. The history of science is largely people come up with a new idea, everyone laughs at them, keeps drinking their tea, get, idiot, that guy thinks there's tectonic plates, which is what happened to the guy who, you know, correctly predicted that they were, um, or hypothesized there were tectonic plates under the the ground, um, and but then, the you know they were coming up with did experiments, um, got some feedback, some evidence which confirmed or certain aspects of the hypothesis. They built other other people were like, let's prove this chap wrong. All right, they do experiments. Oh, okay, we got a result which confirms this guy's perspective. All right, we better do some more deeper research to really prove this person wrong. But you're running up against reality, so sorry. Uh, you're going to find what's true, whatever, whether you want to or not. And so, and of course, you can bury the study if, you know, you don't want people to know, oops, we spent all this money and time, but let's bury that study. It proves this person right. And egos don't want, if you've been teaching one thing for 40 years in a university, and then you're going to turn around and say, oh, actually, I was wrong. Again, 
a lot of people feel like that would be embarrassing or shameful, which I think is totally wrong. I think it's actually very admirable and um, brave and virtuous to do that and necessary. But nonetheless, you know, we are what we are. And so there's a spectrum, a bell curve, uh, what do you call that, a normal distribution of um, willingness to change perspectives and to admit it publicly. So um, science, largely, it's been a history of Galileo, um, Copernicus, whatever, they're all persecuted or um, mocked. Um, what's that guy, uh, Brett? Uh, something, I can't remember his name, Brett. The guy, the Randall Carlson talks about with the Missouri floodplains kind of thing. Was it the Scablands, sorry, in Washington State? But um, talking about evidence of huge floods, people mocked him, but now evidence is piling up that actually... There was a cataclysmic event 12,800 years ago or so. This person was totally right. He's dead. He doesn't realize we're doing this, but a hundred odd years in the future, he's being vindicated. And so it seems with science, it's a decentralized system. So people have um, people express their views and um, other people um, can prove them wrong and say, hey, we didn't, no, we didn't, we replicated your experiment. We didn't get the same results. Oh, okay. Um, or they do it, and we did get the results. Interesting. And what seems to happen is eventually some bigger changes, maybe it takes people to, to die off, the old generation, and then the students who are coming up like, really? You're saying there's no evidence for that? Hmm, interesting. But then when they become the lecturers, they, they can look into it. They haven't been teaching the old orthodoxy, so they can go, oh, actually, there's evid most evidence points to this thing. Interesting. So it's a, a decentralized system where there's no central bureaucracy saying this is what is true, and it's just um, truth kind of percolates upwards and we figure out what's actually right. And uh, slowly but surely, you will notice, science has been moving, uh, getting more accurate about the nature of the universe to the point where modern physics is not too uh, distant from, I believe, uh, the kind of timeless um, truth, although it's not too explicit sometimes, of, um, well, of... Uh, being and consciousness like if maybe a, what's a better way to phrase that modern physics is starting to resemble has been for some time what um uh yogananda paramahansa yogananda was saying 100 years ago in autobiography of a yogi where he's summarizing all the the wisdom of the yogis of india for millennia and saying yeah this is the way we see it uh the universe is one sea of energy and it's conscious and da -da -da -da, and a lot of things where modern quantum mechanics and etc is kind of converging like oh that's actually seems kind of pretty close to re real um or and then maybe you think oh but that's not real okay fine but there's many examples where um we we have a very clear picture of you know clearer and clearer picture of the nature of the world how it works again what's real but not what's right that's what science can teach us i guess art is where we what's right can be figured out or free speech in general. Um, although art can be a very potent way of getting people's attention and expressing it lucidly and densely, like a delicious, dense, creamy espresso of perspective and um, education. But so, and science, you know, this microphone is proof that this system has figured out, um, has made progress, and that this decentralized approach to problem solving actually has something to it. Now, uh, the U USA, all right, so they 
it's a decentralized system and or less and less so these days but traditionally uh you had the states they had a lot of power the federal government didn't have a lot of power so it was hard for you know fat cats to basically monopolize power as they had done in europe for you know centuries millennia basically um and so you had an enormous middle class developing um and people were sort of left to do what they wanted and they were able to keep the fruits of their labor and this kind of natural inclination towards tyranny whereby a small group of powerful more educated um more wealthy people can kind of cease to identify so much with their brothers and sisters in the fields and go you know what maybe we could uh either you know just rob them um or you know uh, whatever like we, we can do it it's a fair game we're competing we don't need to let them know what the game is but the real game is yeah we're going to set the law so it helps us it's not our fault if they're not aware what the real game is they think it's they're playing some other game they think they're playing football they're actually playing basketball sorry you know um if your eyes are open you'll know what game we're playing so that's one possibility of what happens um or another is that road to hell um paved with good intentions where you have certain elites thinking that they can benefit the common people but they build up a system which actually kind of um perhaps snowballs by uh just maybe unconsciously um to the benefit of the elite at the to the detriment of the common people very common thing throughout the world you will notice corruption etc bureaucracies which are kind of taxing a lot and you know if they just tax 80% less and the people were able to keep 80% of their money would they really be so hard hard by um would it be would they really be worse off well i mean they could use that money to get things they need on the private uh, on the fr- free market if there was less regulation maybe people would be able to open schools open clinics or whatever on their own terms um it's another podcast but the the point being um that uh these uh there's a good argument that the united states benefited from this system and the american dream which now is like have a car and have a big house and look really cool um is was actually social mobility which was unprecedented in most of the world and that the idea was you could go to this place you go there there's no visa you rock up there the government gives you nothing but they say you can keep everything you get from working um and apparently about 30% of the immigrants ended up leaving for whatever reason who knows but the other 70% stayed and were able to make a living and you have countless stories of oh my grandparents came here with nothing their children were able um they worked in factories did dirty jobs whatever they were able to save up they weren't paying taxes um and uh they their children were better off than them and then me the grandchild i am like i'm a white collar worker or whatever i you know so anyway decentralized system very powerful um also um very importantly separation of powers judiciary legislature and executive traditionally less so now but still to some extent was separated and this again allowed uh mitigated against the monopolization monopolization of power and allowed a the united states to become very prosperous and, and powerful and peaceful for a long time although i mean that everyone has a dark side what was done to the native americans you know uh, you know america why why was america running the philippines or why do we go into iraq or or whatever okay sure there's a dark side to everything but um if you look at the traditional um what the united states was and has been um 
there's some, something to be said for the power of decentralized systems there. Um, and again, what's the point of this? Free speech is a decentralized system of knowledge-making, sense-making. Um, again, capitalism, we've talked about a bit there, but uh, you have a, do you want the government making your shoes? Do you want the government making your car? I mean, look, I believe the government has a, a definite role to play, and that's great, and um, I have a lot of gratitude for the work, those who do good work in the government. Um, however, uh, look at the Soviet Union, they were, or countries that have tried to centrally manage things, the results are not as good as fr the free market. People who, this, this capitalism, I think what people who don't like capitalism really mean is crony capitalism or corporate cap capitalism, which is actually closer to social, oh, we could say communism, or well, socialism is a very broad term. Maybe we'll avoid that because, you know, to be clear on what we mean when we're talking, depending on what you mean, it could be a good thing or a bad thing in my view. Um, but um, it's basically fascism where the state is collaborating with corporations um, to the benefit of, you know, an elite um, and it allows the state ex um, great power and the elite great wealth and power uh, at the, the detriment of the common people. Um, that's sort of what we have. We have oligarchies, I think, in most of the Western world. Um, and so I think, but this, the core of the system is a beautiful thing, capitalism. And um, as Winston Churchill was it, said, capitalism is the worst of all systems, except for all the others that have been tried. Was that democracy? Anyway, um, but I think uh, capitalism in itself, free market capitalism, you could call it libertarianism or um you know, again, that could be used in different ways. But the idea that minimal state intervention, just the um, individuals can, oh, there's a problem. Let me solve that problem so I can get some money and I can feel good helping people. But whatever your motivation is, people are different, different have different motivations. But, oh, the shoes, people want shoes. I'm going to make some shoes and get some money. And if they're good, I'm going to, people are going to buy them. They're going to go, please take my money and give me your shoes. Your shoes are more valuable to me than this 50 bucks I have here. I can't wear the 50 bucks on my feet and I have a few thousand dollars. I need shoes. Let's trade. And the, the shoemaker says, I've got bu a bunch of shoes. I don't need this pair of shoes. I want your money. That's what I could have more of. So you have these mutually voluntary, um, voluntary mutually beneficial uh, exchanges going on. And that's the micro level of uh, capitalism and free market economics and by people in their own environment knowing, oh, I had a conversation with George. George said his neighbor and a bunch of his neighbors are looking for this thing. They want a local school. Well, I know I'm pretty good at like writing and reading, and, but I've been working in this other field. In my spare time, why don't I, 10 hours a week, I'll run classes. And then maybe over the years that turns into a school. These things can happen um, when you have a decentralized system. Um, however, well-meaning, often well-meaning, maybe sometimes not so well-meaning, <coughs> uh, regulations, excuse me, um, can be put in, uh, which kind of can frustrate this process a little bit, and taxation, where people don't have enough um, free time or money to start these ventures. Point being, this is, uh, again, not to get too far off topic, but um, what I'm trying to communicate here is that Capitalism in its essence is a really wonderful system whereby we get so many um, beneficial things. And so I would say again, plus one to the case for decentralized systems. 
um, and their um, capacity for benefiting us. Um, the internet, again, another decentralized system, which um, it's not one person running it, many different people, and what works, people will fund more. What doesn't work, I forgot to say this about capitalism, the things that don't work, if it's the government, you oh, tough bickies, what can you do? If it's uh, a company, well, I'm not going to give you my money. And then they're going to have to adapt or they're going to go bankrupt. So it's kind of a self-correcting mechanism. It's rather ruthless, not so fun if you're the business person. You might be staying up all night worrying, oh my God, my competitor's getting more market share. I need to really up my game or maybe I need to join them and just have sell my business to that person. He's, they're just better than me, you know? Um, some turbo lady with you know, a pencil dress is just way, way better at this thing than me. Okay, you know, join join her or whatever or lift your game or start offering a new product or lower your prices or raise the quality of your product or service etc similar thing with the internet as a sub you know it's an economic enterprise also but um allowing the exchange of information you know and wikipedia which i think often on controversial things i think it's got a bit of a woeful record for allowing open debate and saying some people say this other people say this so oh this person's a conspiracy theorist this person's a it's fairly one-sided in general on more controversial things in my opinion however i'm extremely grateful to uh, wikipedia um because i've learned so much from it i was a uh, remember being a teenager and oh okay roman empire when did that fall being oh and then oh and the visigoths and the the vandals who are these people looking in, and then go oh my god and then getting into french medieval history hyperlink to hyperlink and then you're about a oh, dinner time okay let's just go back where do we go down this rabbit hole back 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 and you just see the path you went through it's like oh my god this is crazy this is the internet right many people collaborating on wikipedia wikipedia again many websites it's a decentralized largely system so very powerful for exchanging knowledge and again say wikipedia on the more controversial things i feel like it could be misleading people um whether intentionally or more likely inadvertently. Um, but overall, I think it really is a force for knowledge, um, consciousness expansion and, and knowledge acquisition. So, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Decentralized systems. Art world, including music and books. You know, uh, no one was saying, okay, you write this book, you write that book. They're individuals um, and their ex life experience filters through and percolates into their art, what they are drawn to share. So you have a Bob Dylan, you have the Beatles, you have um, Phil Linnett and Thin Lizzy, or you have whatever, um, all kinds of mu different music. Um, and they all coming from their own perspectives and they release the music and it's not the easiest industry, especially these days, to do, to operate in. But And the same with books. Um, but you put put it forward and if people resonate with it then you can have a tribe of people who are supporting it and this is again there's no central authority but it works and it's yeah all right what else um technology like science similar thing um competition and cooperation in a decentralized system is much more effective than a central centralized bureaucracy um and so it brings us back to open discourse right um i if there's just one office of people saying what's true, it's very hard to figure out how we can adapt and grow our knowledge. Whereas someone might be saying something and I totally disagree with you, 
great, I'll just try to prove you wrong. And if I'm so confident that I'm right, why would I be afraid of you talking? I'm just going to, that's great, an opportunity for me to either hone my ideas and practice, keep sharp about how I can explain myself, not be lazy and sit on my laurels, right? But actually hone my argument and expl explain why I believe I'm correct. Um, uh, or, uh, you know, maybe even persuade you or learn something, um, modify my positions. So if you're, so I think people who don't want to engage like that, it's a kind of betrays a, a hidden fear that you're maybe not so sure of your opinions, you know? Um, and again, comes back to that fear of, it feels like we're losing part of ourself, which is of course like a, a small death. Um, so I think it comes back to the need to be detached from your ideas um, in order to, to learn and participate in and encourage and argue for, advocate free speech. Okay. So we are 5% done. Just kidding. Um, maybe. Um, so now, I would say some cases should be silenced, but only extreme cases. People are advocating violence or they're um, preparing for it. Okay, uh, you know, uh, Elijah, uh, you bring the gasoline. Um, Eric, you bring the, you know, the the whatever, the guns, okay. Planning violence or advocating violence, or we just, that person, someone should kill that person. Of course, this should not be allowed. Uh, you know, like this is exceeding the bounds of a conversation and uh, bleeding into action. And as we've said, uh, the golden rule would say, you can do whatever you want so long as you're not preventing others from doing whatever they want. And so there's that boundary, the overlap of the Venn diagram, right, um, where it's not acceptable um, to, to do that thing. That's something you're going to have to seed. Um, so I think that's pretty clear. We can all agree on that. Um, even someone's shouting fire in a, a packed movie theater. That, I think, you know, it's, that could harm people. Um, but look, if you do that, okay, yeah, um, if people get harmed, you caused it, the legal system already has a way of dealing with you. So I don't think we need laws against, okay, you are not allowed to scream fire in a, no, you're not allowed to hurt people. If a bunch of people get hurt and you, you caused it, you know, in a, a rational world, you will be held to account for that. So easy peasy, it seems to me. Um, uh, now, whereas um, saying we should kill this person or something or hurt or attack that person or cause them some sort of harm, like, oh, let's, you know, um, I guess if you're saying let's not buy their products, okay, that's all right. That's your freedom. But, um, but yeah, there's a certain line you cross at some certain point and then that's where we say this is essentially a threat. Assault isn't just if you punch someone or whatever. It's also if you say you're going to. Um, I, I believe, right, uh, the, the threat of violence as well. So, makes sense. Um, but people, you know, on Twitter these days, a lot of people and many social media um, sites and in general, um, uh, uh, people are being censored and they're being removed, deplatformed. Oh, you can't be on this platform anymore. Or shadow banned where, okay, you're here, but 
we're going to tune the algorithm so that you don't get as many views. Um, or they, they demonetize you, so they take away your money, so make it harder for you to express your opinions um, and support yourself by going deep into your perspectives and um, trying to channel them and communicate them for those who want to listen and engage in free speech with you and open discourse. Um, also, uh, you know, f uh, access to finance. Um, the protesters in Canada, whether you agree with them or not, um, they had their funds cut off by the federal government, which is incredibly undemocratic, um, I, I would argue. And if you want to say, yeah, but they were blockading, you know, um, Ottawa and blowing their horns and, you know, tooting their horns. Um, and so that's not fair. They're crossing the line. Okay, well, perhaps you could have that perspective, but I would say the prime minister should have gone and talked to them first, engage in free speech, talk to them. And if he's said, okay, I've listened to your perspectives, but I don't agree, can't come to a compromise. Okay, then maybe it would be more reasonable to try and cut them off with some sort of force. Although I'd still say, I think they had fairly good reasons that people should be free to do what they want and we don't need to get into that. But, but nonetheless, at least talking to them. But before doing what, what, did, what was done um, and cutting off the access to the GoFundMe money and bank accounts, freezing bank accounts, um, et cetera, you know, people being surveilled and uh, investigated, et, et cetera. So that's not conducive to free speech. That's going to intimidate people from openly communicating. And then maybe even if in this situation you're right, central bureaucracy and these people aren't, what about next time? Maybe next time you're wrong. And you actually needed those people to say, hey, hey, I think you're getting it wrong. And now you've intimidated them because they're afraid of what's going to happen if they speak up. So that's not the culture we want. That's not, um, that's going to um, kind of unbalance the foundation of our extremely successful, to, largely, I would say, mostly, uh, civilization. Um, materially very successful for sure, right? Um, which is important. Um, if people are too materially deprived, then good, good luck having widespread spiritual um, success and prosperity. So it is one side of the coin. It's having enough food. You know, when people um, are comfortable enough, um, it opens the door to going, okay, well, looking up at the sky. And what else is out there, you know? Um, aliens. Um, okay, so now um, people will say it's hate speech, right? That's why we need to do this. Um, there is hate speech. You shouldn't be allowed to say, um, use hate speech. Words of violence, da, da 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 The thing is, okay, even if that were true, I mean, words, I can say mean words to you and you're fine. Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Did you forget? Um, so, but even if, let's, okay, even if it were the case that um, hate speech was a real thing, um, well, a thing worth um, making illegal, uh, who decides what is hate speech? Who defines it? And that's the thing which makes it, okay, this is the point we can we should be able to agree on, I think. You can't define it. Uh, and what you define it as, someone else might not agree. And then so who's going to be defining? Say, you go, oh yeah, we're going to make laws against that. All right. And then what if the way the, 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 the government, the way it's phrased... It actually prohibits certain things that you like to talk about. Oh, no, 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 sorry, uh, that's not what I think hate speech is. 
okay, well, you're not everyone. We, everyone's got different perspectives. So this is the whole point of freedom of speech is we're allowed to tr figure out things together. But, and say, even if you got exactly what you wanted in the short term, oh, the government's prohibiting this type of conversation. Um, great. All right. What about when the government changes and Trump gets elected? Say you're a Democratic voter. You're like, oh, ban all that, you know, um, give powers to control hate speech to the government. All right, they've got them now. They're prohibiting all this conservative um, conversation. And then the conservatives take over. Now you've just given them the power to censor you. And so this, and then you're going to have to try to escalate and resist. This is going to turn ugly, right? It turns, um, the idea is we contain conflict and disagreement to speech so that our ideas can die instead of people. That is politics instead of warfare, right? So it's free speech allows it's a, a pressure valve which allows us to let off steam um we can shout at each other right might not do much good but at least we're not attacking each other physically and it allows us to problem solve together and make iterative small improvements toward a mutual um, understanding even if certain things we never agree with each other on we can find that middle ground where oh you believe this we believe something similar we talk about it for two days we actually agree on something we could put to make a law about. Okay, we're still figuring out the other stuff, but yeah, um, we can put that law through now. We both agree. Excellent. It's not about get, fixing everything at once. It's about being able to cooperate to keep our solutions more plentiful than our problems, or at least um, to be to not have our problems growing faster than we can solve them. Um, so, hate speech. What is that? Who defines it? Um, and then the thing is, even if um, you do pro prohibit people from talking about certain things, for example, the Holocaust, denying the Holocaust is illegal in Germany. I don't think that's a good idea. I think they, unfortunately, they missed the point of, okay, with massive government overreach um, in the form of Adolf Hitler taking over and doing these terrible things, the state just has complete power. This is a terrible thing. We've learned our lesson. So now the state is going to prohibit people from talking about certain things. I don't think you quite f got the lesson there, boys. Um, it's, uh, oh, yeah, um, it's that the dangers of an inability to express your uh, um, uh, uh, opinions and to be able to express yourself um, and live on your own terms so long as you're not harming others. Like, can't we all agree with that? Um, and to be motivated by love and honesty. Um, so I would think even there, okay, let people um, deny the Holocaust if they want to. It's going to be hurtful to other, maybe Jewish people, of course, and, you know, um, Slavic people or homosexuals or whatever, people who were murdered um, by the Nazis. Um, however, okay, that just lets, you know, um, someone who is offended know, okay, I don't want to hang out with you or I don't want to purchase your products or I don't want to whatever. Okay, that's communication. I know who you are. No problem, right? If you're not arguing for another one, if you're just saying, I think it didn't happen. Okay, you can think, yeah, I don't respect your opinion. I think you're crazy. Fine. But if you say you're not allowed to say it, it pushes it un underground. And then I think it actually feeds um, that, where people go, yeah, see, it might, if, it, if it were not true, why would they make it illegal? Uh huh. There's something to it. They're afraid that if we talk about it, everyone's going to realize we're right. So... I think um, if you have hate speech or some sort of forbidden speech, 
I think really all you're doing is driving it underground and you're going to actually empower that. Um, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Bring it up. Let's talk about it. And if it's actually not true, it's in big trouble. Um, open dialogue, you're not going to last very long, you know. Um, and if you have 100 people and we're debating this, uh, maybe 10 people go, oh, wow, yeah. Oh, there was no Holocaust. Amazing. Interesting. Or probably not even that much. Me one person, two people, um, then most people, maybe some people in the middle are like, mm, interesting, I'm not really sure. Um, and then I think the vast majority of people probably go like, yeah, okay, that, that was pretty crazy. That guy just got demolished. Like, it's definitely nothing to, you know, that this person didn't have any um, answers to the, the, the counter arguments of the person saying, you know, there was a Holocaust, there's this, this, this. This person seemed more informed. This person seemed more convincing. Um, and if you repeat that over 10 days, you have more people, the same, same speakers, or even the same audience or whatever. Truth percolates upwards. Most people, the vast majority, are going to um, re um, move away from the position that doesn't, isn't based on reality. And um, if we didn't have this ability, how the hell did we get to 2022? You know, It's something where w humans have an instinct for common sense and problem solving, um, whereby if we talk about something enough, we can figure out, we have a gut instinct for what's true. And um, some, perhaps some of us have more of a, um, uh, a more detailed understanding of why that's so. I think even common sense is a real thing. And there's a certain um, instinct for, hmm, there were more contradictions in that thing than in this thing. This one's more internally cohesive. It matches more with what I know. It's more likely to be true. And so I think... It really is based on fear and a misunderstanding of the nature of human beings and open discourse to think that burying things that we now we can't talk about them, that that's somehow going to be useful. I don't think that's actually true at all. I think it's the opposite is the case. So, what else? Um, yeah, so this idea of, you know, um, the open marketplace of ideas, truth percolates upwards, like delicious anecdote of a coffee, yeah? Um, that, I think that is true, and I think... Um, if you don't believe that, I think I would invite you to really th think about the opposite position because I would argue the view that, oh no, certain people, there's a certain minority of people who are, who are better at understanding what's true. They're the people who get the jobs in, and they gravitate to the, you know, the, say the n news corporations owned by six corporations or whatever. <laughs> um, or uh, the government or whatever, the central bureaucracies, offices, where the experts kind of study what's real or, you know, universities, etc. Um, and that the majority of the people, you know, they're not really qualified to, you know, know what's real. Um, and if we have an open conversation, that's not going to produce an increase in awareness of truth. It's not going to shrink the, the support base of radical ideas. It's, it's going to increase it because people are not smart enough. They'll get tricked. I don't believe that. I think that's riddled with contradictions, actually, much more so than the position I'm putting forward, I would argue. So let's see. Here are some specific examples of why I think this. Um, I would say, uh, like I mentioned, common sense is a real thing. Um, even children can be very wise. They don't know much. They're not very educated, but they can have good points. And I think if you take a 1,000 people or a 100 people, the vast majority, the way they respond to most things is going to be log logical. It, they are aligned with evolution and what keeps us surviving in the universe. That's the human beings who had illogical perspectives and too much bias got crushed 
um, pimp-slapped by Mother Nature into the darkness of oblivion. Um, now, novelty in the modern world, to be fair, like as Heather Hying and Brett um, Weinstein talk about um, uh, hyper-novelty, right? um, this idea that in the modern world things are escalating so much, this exponential um, development of novelty, like Terence McKenna talked about, sort of, um, that this is overwhelming our ability to deal with it. I would say, again, I'm not sure they're saying we're not able to deal with it. I, I believe they're saying we need to adapt um, and perhaps think of collaborative um, work, like institutions we can develop, um, as well as inner work to um, evolve culturally and consciously, psychologically evolve in order to deal with the new challenges of all this information. How do we know it's true? Or, you know, all these addictive things, pleasure buttons, left, right and centre. How do we keep doing good work and stay balanced when we can just be sitting at home feeling, you know, filling ourselves with pleasure until we just expire in a um, hot mess of delirious um, waste? So, but um, but the idea of hypernovelty, I think, yeah, good, good point. There's things which are greater challenges than we've had to deal with before. Um, so common sense, I think, could be overwhelmed with certain things. For example, um, the pandemic and the lockdowns around the world, um, not to get into that too much right now, but I think um, on both sides, there was unfortunately like quite a lot of people who I was rather shocked to see seem to lose touch with reality. Um, and uh, uh, it seems like survival instincts and fear kicked in so strong that um, the, the, the usual open-mindedness of people um, was very much more um, limited. And so you get these echo chambers developing, a lot of finger-pointing and condemnation and, and a lack of uh, exchange of ideas. And so that would be an example where perhaps common sense can be overridden to some extent. However, I think the cure is not to you know, pan power to some leader, whether it's an alternative um, you know, someone arguing against the status quo, some underdog, or the status quo um, itself or themselves. Um, no, I think the solution is individuals going, okay, what do I think is true? And get, devoting yourself even deeper to free thinking, free speech, um, trying to figure out what's what, um, and being honest about what you know and what you don't and what should be in the maybe pile. Um, and um, we've got a very majestic, towering maybe pile after the last two years. Um, uh, but, and, and then I think through, yeah, free speech is the way we, we solve these things. Um, and by listening to each other, it does emotionally, I think, I think that goes a large way, a uh, long way to healing division and helping us remember we're all one big team, are we not? Um, but, uh, yeah, but still I would say in general, the vast majority of things, common sense, everyone agrees. Yeah, true. Don't do that. Do this. Yeah, that's real. That's not. We our opinions are more aligned than not aligned. It's just the the areas where we disagree tend to be very complicated, very important things. But in in general, we agree on most things. I would say, and that's common sense coming through. Sometimes people with maybe a very you know caveman sort of mindset, you know maybe extreme of the the bell curve. Certain people have, say like their IQ, their problem solving, their ability to engage in logical um, thinking uh, is perhaps limited not their fault, that's just the way they were born or the way they were raised or whatever it is, right? Um, and it is a real thing, unfortunately, right? Where we're not all 
um, infinitely uh, conscious and infinitely um, have infinite cognitive powers, right? So, um, and so, but the people in the extremes, they might have very simplistic kind of um, rigid ideas about what's real and what's right. And so common sense, their common sense is buried. But I believe common sense comes from awareness. Just we are all the universe experiencing itself. We have this, the intelligence of creation itself is inside you, is inside me, um, inside all of us. Um, even inside Claire, probably. Definitely Ramses, right? Would you say? No. Really? Oh my. Then the how, Ramses, how, that's a paradox. How, how would you be able to say no if you didn't have the intelligence of creation bursting out of your heart chakra, huh? Yeah. Trying to trick me. Stupid statue. Um, so, um, so it's coming from consciousness itself, uh, common sense. Now, certain people, like I was saying, they might have very rigid um, ideas or not be able to not be very flexible with their ideas or something. Okay, maybe common sense is kind of held back and damned behind a damn wall there. Ooh, double damned. Um, not blessed with a cracking of the dam um, nation. Uh, and on the other side, also people who are extremely educated, sometimes it can have a similar effect where it can cause a rigidity and an inability to turn off the thinking mind and access um, the balancing force of pure um, perception and awareness um, where you've got form and formless, yin and yang, right? You're kind of penetrating deep into the, 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 the nature of reality with the wielding the use of logic, but then you're also able to let reality come to you and just lay down your arms for a moment and embrace um, just, okay, well, what is going on here? And um, uh, whether it be just physically looking around you and seeing the way the world is, um, that way it even looks to you visually, um, or whether it be um, entertaining another person's um, opinions, which you disagree with, and being able to kind of just let them wash over you. And how, hmm, what would that be like to be that person thinking this? Hmm, hmm. So anyway, you have people on the ex extremes who maybe aren't as in, uh, in touch with um, their common sense, but I think most people, um, their common, and it's always there though, I think, it, most people it is there. Um, coming through pretty strong um, in most cases. So, and if you think that that's not the case, then you know, do you not, are you not lacking faith in human nature? Like you're, we don't have enough, it's in the maybe pile, you know, to what extent common sense and we can trust each other. But I think most people I know are lovely people. Most people I meet, they're great, you know. Is it not the same for you? And so this abstract notion of, oh, we're all selfish or, um, you know, people are dumb. Okay, does that really align with your experience of other people? And would you dare say that to other people's faces or, is, you know, or people who, I mean, maybe you do, but, um, but I just think perhaps um, that's a little premature um, and... And if it is the case, like, okay, so what, you, you're you more aware than everyone else? Okay, that's an interesting and probably quite dangerous perspective. Um, how do you know that? You know, you haven't been other people. How do you know that they know less than you? You really have to be try to be open, and that's a difficult thing, but you have to be at least open to, okay, please, like I say, the metaphor is the, the whale, right? The whale opens up its yawning mouth, 
right? And uh, lets all the um, juicy waters full of plankton get in, closes the mouth, kind of exhales, so to speak, the water, and it just keeps behind its bristles um, the plankton and swallows it. Delicious, nourishing plankton. Same thing with truth and information, ideas. I think let it all in, entertain people's perspectives, and then see what you can shoot down. That's the filtering process. Prove it with um, logic. Try to shoot down. This doesn't make sense. Or that contradicts this. If that's true, then that's true. But that's not true. So therefore, coming back, this must not be true. Etc. right? Um, true, false, maybe pile. Do that. And then you have at the end of the process, okay, if something is possibly true or definitely true or probably true, whatever, okay, you can keep it there. Um, if it's not true, all right, it's, it's out, you know? So I think... Um, this is uh, the way, um, and yeah. So uh, yeah. So if you, how would you think that you, um, other people don't? You think some people are just don't understand, or if you, if you were to say that common sense and um, this instinct for truth um, that would justify a decentralized system of ex uh, exchange of information, um, free speech, as I'm arguing for here. Um, the opposing point of view, uh, I think, how would you justify that view that you know? Like, oh no, some people don't have common sense. Okay, how do you know? Um, also, uh, maybe you say, well, I think none of us do. I, you know, I don't trust myself either. It, it seems to show like a lack of trust in yourself. And if you can't trust yourself, then why, why should you trust that you shouldn't trust yourself? Right? That's like, again, contradiction. You need to be operating on the presumption you can trust yourself. You're not perfect, but you do your best. And reflect that you are the product of millions of years of evolution, the survivors of the survivors of the survivors, etc. So there's no smoke without fire, right? You probably know something. And if you have humility and an eagerness and a curiosity to learn and be proven wrong and to train yourself to enjoy being proven wrong, not get too far into where you're not you're afraid to be right, but you know, press your case for being, when you think you're right, but be able to enjoy as a, a little treat, like, oh, I just got freed from an illusion. That's wonderful then I think definitely if you can build up that personal culture in yourself, maybe in your friends and your community, et cetera, and even in the world, um, by example, then, um, yeah, I think we can trust each other to be participating in this divine exercise of um, coming to understand nature and the world. Um, now, also, yeah, the, the historical awareness of, look, um, truth percolating upward, in the societies where there have been centralized bureaucracies which control what's true, everything falls apart. The societies where people are allowed to exchange ideas and debate, they thrive. That If you, you know, read a history book and you will see that this is always the way it works, right? As far as I'm aware. Um, now, um, so I would say, really, um, I mentioned we need non-attachment to ideas. Uh, I think we also need a th to develop thicker skins that's a great virtue, which maybe has been lost. There's a bit of a worship of, to put it bluntly, victimhood. And we've all been victims. And um, I've been reading the four agreements, I think I mentioned, and it talks about the victim and the judge in your own head and the ways that we judge ourselves and judge others or feel victim to ourselves or victim to others. Um, and I think a lot of that is this very basic reptilian sort of perspective. And I think um, that but there is a certain endorsement of um oh you know victimhood 
um, almost celebrating that um, rather than celebrating heroism and the ability to move forward. And I'm not judging it totally. You know, I think there's something, there's definitely, it's a sign of a beautiful thing where of empathy sweeping through civilization, but the pendulum swings back and forth. We need to be careful it doesn't go too far. You can go too far with many things, most things. I think balance is the only thing you can't go too far with. Um, so polarity means basically everything else, I guess. Um, you can go too far. So, um, but we need to develop thicker skins and celebrate people who someone can say something really offensive and you just laugh. Wow, what a crazy person. I can't believe they would say that. And you are maintaining a positive state of emotion, making it easier for other people around you to be positive, um, easier to access their logical part of, um, their logical part of their mind rather than maybe the more emotional reptilian instincts from the deeper part, older parts of the brain, the territorial stuff like fight, flight, freeze, you know, um, and getting defensive and emotional um, in a kind of negative sense where it might cloud your vision. Um, or, and just being you know, able to not get distracted by it, not lose energy to people who have crazy opinions. Go, okay, look, or you're saying things which are really mean. Um, maybe it hurts you and fair enough. But I think it, if possible, it is a, a wonderful thing to be able to develop a thick skin and um, be able to say, and even to say, look, People, like there are people who th think that a lot of the things I believe, they would say that, oh, it's terrible. And they even say, they judge and they say, oh, we need to get rid of these people who believe this, that, that. Um, and I'm one of these people who they are judging. I don't take it personally when they're doing that. And I don't, sometimes it might dismay me a little. Like, oh my God, like the state of the world. Wow. But um, I do my best to be responsible for my own state of emotion and go, these are my brothers and sisters. They have a different perspective. That's fine. If I separate myself from them and condemn them, I am committing a much worse um, vice than anything they could be doing because I'm cutting off the very unity. So, well, two wrongs don't make a right. What right do I have to say, hmm, yeah, they're really kind of not quite on point here, are they? How can I make that non-judgmental, just a statement of my perspective, how can I rest upon that perspective if I am doing the same thing to them by condemning them? So, you know, I think, um, yes, uh, the point, what was the point, dear listener? Uh, yeah, well, I think you got the point, right? Lovely. So, uh, thicker skins, right. Um, and more patience and tolerance and uh, welcoming and valuing uh, the, the, the idea that we could have different perspectives. Wow, so cool, so interesting. And especially valuing the exchange of these. So we're not in these armed camps or just you know, eyeing each other off kind of you know, skeptically, and, but saying, oh, let's have an interaction here and see what happens and what we can learn um, and to value that exchange and that tension of um, the opposites. Like, um, you know, I think... Uh, can say even traditionally I would say uh, like yeah masculine and feminine yeah which traditionally would be say men and women in relationships but of course like often you notice in um, homosexual relationships there is a more masculine and a more feminine person um, and this seems to be reflecting these two kind of ways of approaching things um, it's just one spectrum of uh, difference in, in human nature there's so many spec of these spectrums 
but um, uh, that disease opposing, you know, um, the traditionally masculine view and traditionally feminine. And there, you know, there is some, there is a real difference to them. That's another episode to talk about. But, um, and so, but by together, we are greater than the sum of the parts, right? And so you have these different perspectives on things and together when they can communicate properly, we can have this super perspective. We have, it's almost like a two-dimensional picture from here, a two-dimensional picture from here, put them together, you have 3D and, you know, multi-dimensional nuanced depth. So I think that's what um, free speech and communication can offer us. Um, and, uh, okay, so now to talk about censorship. So, you know, public libraries burning books, bad. Private libraries burning books, also bad. However, technically, they do have the right to do what they want with their own property. Um, now, s these um, private companies, big tech companies like Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or whatever, um, who have been censoring people, um, whether they use that word or not, they will say it's misinformation and you know, um, we're combating misinformation. All right, how do you, again, it's like hate speech. How do you know what is misinformation and what's um, just a truth you're not aware of yet? Um, but nonetheless, I would say um, they are private companies. So they have, it's like a public library. At the moment, I, th I would say they have the legal right um, to censor people. However, I still think you can also simultaneously say it's a bad idea. You know, um, I don't have the le you have the legal right to live a very unhealthy lifestyle. But I, I can still point out that that's not a good idea, right? And if you're my friend, I'll probably try to point that out every now and again, maybe with a joke or a smile and tell you I love you and go, by the way, find a way to try to communicate this, right? Um, so I think this is a thing where um, it's not a good idea to be censoring. However, legally, these institutions um, do have the legal right at the moment, um, as far as I'm aware. However, you could say um, a lot of them were developed with public money, um, you know, um, uh, from various sources. Uh, and so they are potentially partly, you could say, public institutions and that argument is strengthened by the point people make that in the modern world you know twitter for example is the town square basically that's where we talk and exchange ideas and this is foundational to our democracies um and western civilization and you could say global civilization based upon the idea of property rights separation of church and state um due process you know the government and the powerful can't just do whatever they want to anyone and that ends up being good for even them because then you have these decentralized systems emerging which are very powerful as we've been talking about and so we all grow together even um it's kind of a perhaps a short-term gain that oligarchs have if they can you know control people but if we have these systems then um everyone actually benefits um which i definitely believe however back to the tech monopolies uh that say twitter's the town square so therefore if you, you know, say kick Donald Trump off the platform, then you're basically kicking someone out of the town square, which would be wrong. And we would say that's you can't do that. That's everyone has a right to be here. Um, if you don't want to talk to them, go to the other corner. If that person's, you know, following you too much, you could have a restraining order put on them, etc. Um, 
maybe Twitter needs restraining orders if people are being too crazy. Oh, you can't for what, 12 months. You can't communicate with this account. Um, they can't see you. You can't see them. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, but, um, but the, th- and so people say, and, and it's not just this, uh, it, we have, we're on, uh, social media much more these days, a huge amount of time, a lot of people, and very few people are out there talking to each other about, you know, a la Plato and Socrates, um, in the, the town square, uh, up and down the town square talking about, um, the nature of reality and what's right and what's real. So, um, maybe what's gahal and, and beautiful. Um, but so yeah, this is the case for some people are saying we should regard these uh, things as public utilities and they, uh, should be regulated as such. So everyone has, um, a right to act. You can't just cut off someone's power because you uh, disagree with them. Um, so then, you know, I know Elon Musk's just bought Twitter, right? So we can hope that that's, um, it appears that that's going to be good for freedom of speech. Um, however, you know, you never know uh, what's going to happen. And, um, but um, I think we can, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But in general, I would say at the moment, the way it is, they're private corporations. They have the legal right to censor um, that the government shouldn't be censoring and should be absolutely staying out of it and not telling private institutions to censor for them, as they have been in many cases, um, and uh, or you know the same corporations who contribute you know to politicians' electoral campaigns and if you make them unhappy, they're going to contribute to the competitors' electoral campaign and you're going to lose power in four years because they just swamp the radios and everyone with these all the media with um, knocking door to door with a huge campaign of sparkling teeth and, pro- you know, good promises. Um, that's the way it works. If you don't play ball, it's very easy to lose power and then you make no progress. So people say, okay, I'll just agree to these few things with them. I won't, you know, make them unhappy and then I can focus on these other things. I can make improvements. So the same politicians who are in this situation where it's unfortunately hard for them to stay, to keep their integrity completely across the board, um, the same corporations are, are have ownership of um, media, um, you know, print, tr- the heritage, traditional media, and also you know, um, I guess um, well yeah, mostly the the traditional media, um, mainstream media, um, direct ownership, and also enormous power through um, advertising money. We're advertising there, and very few people are reading newspapers anymore, tuning in to TV shows, etc. A lot of the money they're getting, the vast majority, I believe, is from advertising. And so, again, if you make the advertisers unhappy, you, you're in big trouble. So we have the situation where censorship does come in the form of corporations there, um, and the government is also under the influence of the same corporations. So um, not to make it some big conspiracy thing, but it's just the way it is. People talk about, oh, human being, it's human nature to be selfish. Oh, yeah, is it? Okay. Look, you, you think the government's maybe... Serving the interests of corporations? Oh, pfft, conspiracy theory. Why would they do something so selfish? <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, um, think about that. I mean, I think there's a balance to things. And I again, a lot's in the maybe part. I don't know how everything works. I think everything's shades of grey. But um, yeah, so censorship, public censorship should be absolutely wrong. But I think private censorship actually is, uh, you have the right to do what you want with your own property. Um, but yes, 
So, all right. Um, and I think the thing is, yeah, deeper than that. Um, so it, it must be rather than an economic or a political um, intervention, it needs to be a cultural intervention. It comes from us, we the people. It comes from you and me thinking about things, being honest with ourselves, um, being honest with other people, talking to people, being brave enough to share our real opinions. We can talk about them, sh share perspectives, learn um, and hone our views. And through this, if we really build up a grassroots movement of people who are really going, oh, it seems like a lot of the problems of the world are coming from a lack of communication and a lack of unity, especially emotional, spiritual unity, the sense that we're not all one big team. How many people would say, you say, do you think we're all people? We're all one big team? I'd say a lot. Sadly, a lot of us would say, no, we're not. We are, except for those people, those animals, you know? And, but no. Sorry, brother. Sorry, sister. I'd say we're all on one big team. Um, but I, you know, yeah, I accept um, that some people won't agree. That's fine, you know. Um, so I think it comes from a cultural um, movement, a cultural revival of the value of freedom, especially uh, freedom of speech, freedom of consciousness. Um, and, uh, and freedom of speech really... It's a mechanism for solving problems in society, but it's also necessary for us to develop our consciousness. And so to really have freedom of consciousness, you can be and you can think and you can experience and express reality the way you are drawn to. It's limited if you don't have freedom of uh, expression, freedom of speech, um, and which is also the freedom to experience the responses to your expression. And so have a positive feedback loop um, of learning and love. Um, so, what else, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, beings throughout time and space, every conscious being? Um, yeah, so I think big tech and government and all this stuff flows downstream from consciousness. So, you know, like you look at the kind of woke, quote-unquote woke um, shenanigans flowing through... Um, they come from the university system and then but people are, oh, it's just university people talking crazy stuff. And then it gets into the big corporations because people leave university, they go there and maybe certain big corporations go, ooh, this is a great way to uh, make us look very left-wing and virtuous so people don't have another Occupy Wall Street. <laughs> um, uh, we can just say we believe these things. Um, or maybe not. That's just one possibility, you know, I entertain in the maybe pile. Um, but you have... and the, you have a lot of um, very strange, I would say rather lacking in love. If you notice the feeling that comes with it, you wouldn't really say there's a great vibe of, ah, love, kindness. Kind of a little bit adversarial, right? A lot of it. Um, so if you look at uh, th that cultural, someone said um, politics is downstream from culture. Uh that Michael Malice, Dave Smith, someone else, I don't remember. Um, but I think that's true. And culture is downstream from consciousness, you know. It's, well, it's a feedback loop, I guess, but um, uh, the culture being, you know, the our ways of what we think is real, right, and the way we kind of embody that in behavior, I suppose. Um, and so I think, yeah, ultimately... 
It comes all come all roads go back to the sacred mountain of thine own self consciousness. Um, and I think that really is the only core solution. If that's the uh, necessary and sufficient condition for everything we want, um, you have, you lay everything out else out perfectly. Everything goes according to plan. If you haven't got enough of an evolution of individuals' consciousness, we don't have a critical mass of individuals who in themselves have a critical mass of awareness and self-honesty and emotional maturity, etc., um, then it doesn't matter. Nothing works. So I think that really is the core thing. And luckily we can do that while working on the other things at the same time. And that helps, but um, this is the foundational thing. And again, freedom of speech is essential for this um, development of consciousness that's going to save us all and um, allow us to have pastures of plenty, I do believe, um, in the future. And now, why not? Um, all right. Last thing to mention. Um, so we're talking about the benefits and the importance of free speech. But um, I would say uh, speech itself is human magic. It is magic. It's, you know, we have our five senses. Think about your body. My mouth, is that for speaking? Well, I mean, my, my ears, they're not producing anything, communicating. Okay, they take in vibration, they hear things. My eyes take in vibration and um, see things. My nose takes in vibration, I guess so. It, it takes in um, data from the world and, you know, I smell it. Okay. Uh, ooh, that sounds a bit funky. It smells a bit funky. I don't know if I should be eating this thing. Or, um, oh, that smoke or whatever. Taking in signals, right? Well, what is that smell? That reminds me of my childhood. It's a rather mysterious uh, event when that happens. Um, uh, touch, right? Getting feedback from the world. Um, again, information. And, and then uh, taste. Your mouth gives you taste, right? Gives you input. Um, similar to your nose, I suppose. But... So these are the five senses. But then your mouth is also, and your throat is also, and your lungs or whatever. We are also have this ability for speech, which is where you're communicating and you, with yourself and with other people, um, and maybe with the universe to some extent, where you're communicating, you're articulating what is real, and you're sort of weaving dreams. And it, if, if the, the way you think of changes the way you experience reality itself. So this seems to be a feedback loop. Like the, what's that? Uh, Jordan Peterson's always going on about the uh, Mesopotamian God. What's his name? Um, the God of the gods. They elect him as the highest God, which seems to be a metaphor for um, basically um, the emergence of a hierarchy of value and what's most important. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, Tiamat is the evil dragon monster lady thing, the devouring mother goddess. That, and then, um, uh, oh, I can't remember. Oh, well, look him up. Um, and uh, Marduk, is that it? And uh, he, um, so he's the, the savior god and saves everyone and then the, the earth, the world is built upon that. Hooray! Um, so you can be here listening to my uh, very brief, very concise podcast about um, the nature of free speech and why we want it, and why deep down you want it. Even if you think you don't want it, you actually do want it, um, because your consciousness wants it. The love in you wants it, um, uh, no matter what 
an ideology might have persuaded you. That'll be my opinion. Maybe you think I'm, that's actually a projection of my own state. But that's fine. Um, anyway, this god, Marduk, I believe, has uh, eyes all around his head, so he has, um, and he speaks magic words. And uh, so it, it seems like it's kind of articulating this idea of awareness and speech being this virtuous cycle of learning where you take in what's real and then you articulate it, you describe what you see and it kind of reifies it and makes it clearer for you. Um, and then you see what you've spoken kind of, ah, oh. and then you can comment upon that then kind of observe what you've commented. And it's almost like if you try to think about something, it can be kind of a bit messy sometimes, but then you write it down or you make a pros and cons list. And you can kind of jump between what you've expressed so you're able to observe do, 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 and notice connections, which you didn't have enough um, cognitive bandwidth to do beforehand. So if I need to make a big decision, often I make a pro a list of draw a line down the middle, pros cons, and see what I think, and then spend probably way too much time just looking between them and kind of getting a sense for what feels good, and then maybe I'll. So this is the feedback loop of, the, um, of uh, awareness and I guess intellect via speech which also comes back to the yin-yang, the two sides of the coin, where I was saying maybe some people seem they're too heavy into intellect. And I've been that, definitely, at times in my life. And so um, there's definitely a great need to balance um, that with embodiment and just being and just noticing things. The simplicity of that, simplicity and complexity. are The best of friends, they love dancing, you know, and they're great at dancing. Good Lord, got some moves. Um, and so... Yeah, it's this beautiful magic, you know, uh, poetry, expressing yourself is amazing. But um, even, you know, you make a joke, you know, everyone laughs. Isn't that an incredible thing that you can just articulate something and this magic and when you're thinking about yourself and how to improve or what do I want to work on or what, what, do I, what values do I stand for or what kind of person do I want to be? You can start thinking with words that can affect your whole life and your whole behavior and just these words. So basically, you're casting magic spells at the end of the day, you know, um, specto patronum, um, you know, and all the happiness ensues. So that's a pretty cool thing. I mean, it's less so like, oh, why civilization depends on free speech. But anyway, it's just, it's an amazing thing to be able to use the word, the divine word, and um, express yourself and thus experience yourself on this level which isn't, as much as I love silence, um, there's something incredible about um, speech and words. So, um, it is sacred. That would be the, the last word in my notes there. So, um, so that's my free speech. Um, what do you think? Should I be imprisoned? Um, should I uh, be given a medal? Um, should I... Let Ramses do the next podcast um, and maybe uh, might be more insightful. Or do you think maybe uh, Ramses already is doing the podcast and he's communicating telepathically through me and I'm just a puppet for, for him to control? Do you think uh, uh, none of the above or, or maybe you think something in between? Maybe I skipped over another possibility? Um, all right, so... That's basically enough of my uh, enjoying my free speech here. And I think hopefully the, the 
present tide of censorship that's been washing over the planet, which has been very intense and very harmful, where, for example, you know, a lot of things that were in the news, like the lab leak theory or something, oh, that's conspiracy theory, then it turns out now most respectable commentators are saying, oh, uh, actually, that's, we don't have enough information yet, but that is the most likely cause of where this thing came from. It's like, that's just one example. I could cite many examples, but that's not the main point, so we'll leave it there. Um, but the point is, even if people have the best of intentions, no one knows everything. So the harm of shutting down speech, even if you think it's for a good cause, is great. And you do far more harm than good when you stop conversations. Um, and you people get out of shape. They get out of intellectual shape. They lose the ability to have conversations. People who are so used to everyone agreeing with them or just, you know, this intellectual monoculture where everyone just has the same opinion, they go and have a conversation with someone, especially, you know, in the street where maybe they're not even talking to people physically that much anymore, some people. Um, it can be very intense. People go, oh my God, you're disagreeing with me? And... I think, you know, people who haven't run for a long time, it can be pretty intense too when you go running again or, um, you know, you haven't drawn since you were a kid. Oh my God, this is crazy. My, my bones are melting in ecstasy. Um, so I think it's very important for our culture that we maintain an intellectual rigor by practicing free speech and, you know, thinking, here's a good question. What am I missing? What am I forgetting? Or what don't I know yet? Two years from now, what am I going to look back on and go, oh, actually, I was wrong about that, or that wasn't quite the right way to see it. Now I see it better, more clearly. Um, you know, I'm going to look back on this podcast in 10 years um, and go, presuming I'm blessed to be here by the grace of um, the goodly uh, universe, um, is, oh, great, nice, nice work there. Jimmy James, you got some uh, got some good perspectives, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're basically a baby compared to what I know now. You know, presumably, I'm gonna know a lot. You know, things I don't know now. And that's a great thing, a beautiful thing. There's always room for growth. Um, so, you know, I think a humility is essential to say I don't know everything, and uh, and an eagerness to learn and to talk, even if worst case scenario in a conversation there's no progress made toward the overall awareness and endorsement of reality aligned opinions among the human population just going through the motions of trying to talk that is very good for our unity very good for our, our ability to um to keep in in shape so to speak for having these conversations and learning um and to even the cool thing is once you start doing it it feels amazing it's not like work it's play it's so fun and I think that's the great thing. It's an enormous untapped resource that I would invite you if you're not already doing this. Maybe you're doing it a bit. You could do it more. I'm sure I can do it more. Given I'm inviting you, I may as well take myself up on that offer to do it more. But is to just engage in genuine conversation, express your truth humbly, clearly, honestly, and um, listen to people and see if you can't learn something and um, be gentle but brave when telling the world what you think is right and real and beautiful like you all right so thanks everyone 
for joining in this here magical rendezvous through the internet. And um, I'll see you next time.